Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable podcast. This is podcast number 544. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, I have my regular co-host, Matt Longeth. Today is Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. Matt, how are you doing today? Eric, I am well, better than I deserve to be. It is a sunny, surprisingly warm 61 degrees today here in central Pennsylvania, which I remember the last time we saw 60. So I'll take it every day of the week, but unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be that way in the long term. But speaking of weather, sir, how are you? How are things out there on the West Coast? And what's the color of the bay? Uh, I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking, Matt. The color of the bay, it's a beautiful sunny day here in California. It's supposed to hit 72 degrees. We have come out of winter, it seems, and we've hit that stretch of dry weather and we're enjoying it. So the color of the bay, it's a it's a bright green, right? A lot of sun today. Um, you know, the bay never really gets to be blue, right? Unless you're way out outside the bay. Where I go, the bay, across the bay, sometimes I go out there in Palo Alto, they have a, a dock. You can go canoe and see the bay. It is uh, it is a light green, and uh, I think as we move into summer, it probably is blue out in the middle of the bay. So there you go. That's the weather. It's a beautiful day. Excited about uh, coming into summertime. I hope all, everybody out there gets through their winter blues. I know Texas, uh, some of the guys down in uh, Austin have struggled through that, but uh, we have beautiful weather here in California. On the show today, we're going to be talking about cloud and modern apps. Uh, I believe there's a new event coming up. We have Mike Hume. Mike is a senior director of VMware Cloud Product Marketing. Uh, we'll get to Mike in a second, but before we uh, talk to Mike, let's talk about the news, anything in the news. The only news I have is we have Corey Romero back, and uh, we did have the VExpert Awards happen. So, Corey, why don't you give us the debrief, because we missed you last week. Uh, I know you got a bunch of escalations, a lot of activities happening on. Yes. Why don't you give us that update? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always very busy the week of the announcement. So we announced VExpert. So we've got uh, over 2,200 VExperts this year. Uh, we also opened up the VExpert subprogram. So we have eight subprograms, so subprograms open for VExperts. So if you are a VExpert and you somehow missed my email, go back, go find my email, or go to the VExpert portal and sign up for the subprograms, subprograms that you're interested in. The programs we launched are modern apps, cloud management, cloud providers, NSX, end user computing, security. VExpert Pro, VMware Cloud on AWS. And we have one other, but it's not announced yet and uh, hoping to get it announced here in the next couple of weeks. Fantastic. I know we've been super busy in mail. So uh, congrats to everybody that got there. And uh, thanks to all the VExpert pros. I think there were like maybe 25, maybe heavy lister lifters that did all the voting for applications. So thanks yes, all, all them. absolutely. Thank you. Matt, hey, Corey, if I was a, a member of one of those subprograms for 2020, do I need to reapply? Is that a, a subprogram by subprogram thing? What, what's the story there? Yeah. If I was a, a previous recipient of a subprogram designation, what do I need to do this time around? You know, due to COVID, um, we are auto approving all of the subprograms um, except for end user computing. The reason why we're, we're not doing end user computing is is uh, EUC champions was rolled into EU in, into end user computing for VExpert, and so they're going to take in consideration COVID with the with the previous VExperts in that program and the new applicants as well. Um, so it, it shouldn't be an issue, uh, but we are requiring for that program and Pro 
um, to, to, re, uh, to reapply if you're currently a V-expert in those two programs. Okay, so if, if I was a designee for 2020 for EUC or the V-expert Pro program, I need to reapply. Correct, yes. Okay, I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I sent that out in the email. It's really detailed. It's got, you know, red text next to it. Need to apply. Don't need to apply. I think know. it's in 42 point bold italicized <laughs> font if I read through the email. Hey, you, hey you know what? You, you would you'd be amazed on how many people actually reply and say, hey, I didn't know. Right. And so you have to make it really, really clear for everyone just because you know, there's a lot of detail in the email. So you know, expect it. All right. Well, thanks Seth, for that. And uh, now we'll get on to the to the main topic. Um, before we do that, one more thing: the FutureNet uh, event is coming up. VMware has a couple speakers there, so uh, we would do a shout out to F FutureNet. You can uh, go listen to a couple podcasts, and uh, we talk about FutureNet. So, uh, if you're interested in attending FutureNet, it's an all day event. Uh, it's a live stream event, as always in Zoom. Uh, you can go to VMware and just search or look for FutureNet, or go to Google and look for Future. Internet VMware. Uh, there's a couple blog articles on it, why to attend uh, and what it's about. And it's an all day event coming up in March. So go check that out. And uh, if you got some time, you can go learn about the future of networking. Go give that a call. And with that, we will transition to Mike Hugh. Mike's been on the show at least five times that I can remember. I think we had him uh, back about four months ago just to talk about some of the uh, acquisitions we did. And so, and then you've been on for Google Cloud. But Mike, give us the, maybe because you've been on so much, the one middle of elevator pitch of who you are and what you do here at VMware. You got it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I've uh, been a part of VMware for, gosh, almost 12 years now. So uh, going back uh, quite, a, quite a distance here. So I run our cloud marketing. Uh, and I also uh, have been working to bring together cloud and applications. So all the things that we're doing around modern applications and Kubernetes and really developer productivity, really thinking about that as a, a single strategy that we can bring out to our customers. Nice, nice. Okay. Well, uh, as we've gone through cloud, um, I guess we should we should uh, do a shout out. You guys are going to be doing a, a modern apps uh event so we should do a shout out there you can go to www.vmware.com slash app dash cloud dash event dot html uh go register for that because uh you guys are going to do another event and maybe we should talk a little bit of a high level events what are these kind of events and what are you guys what are your objectives in trying to run these events yeah, really. So we're, you know, it's kind of a combination of uh, strategy and then also really hands-on product. So I think there's something in there for everyone. It's it's our time to really set the stage for what's coming throughout the year. Uh, I know that we all love to get together at VMworld, but really there's so many things that happen throughout the year. It's important just to stay on top of where we're going with things. So we're going to spend some time going through uh, some of the big things that we see the market really needs around cloud and modern applications. And then how VMware is continuing to extend and really uh, evolve this strategy for how we're bringing out cloud solutions for any cloud environment. And we'll get hands on with the product. We have some great demos coming from our CTO team. And then there's also a ton of expert led sessions, demos and hands on labs. So if you're interested in cloud and if you're interested in modern apps, this is really one uh, event that you want to come to because you can get everything all consolidated into one area. It's a 35 minute event, which is nice and brief. And then you get into uh, the on-demand content and capabilities to really help you go wherever you want to. 
Oh, I really like that. I like that kind of an intro and a here's where we're going, but then kind of like a mini VM world where we did have live session, but then basically you were, you were picking and choosing what you want to consume. So you could, you could do that. Yeah, um, that's right. So if you want to listen to, you know, an expert on app uh, uh, migration, or you want to listen to modernization uh, strategies using Kubernetes, there's a lot in there, but in the keynote, what's really cool is that we also have Raghu Raghuram, who, you know, is just like the total guru at VMware, you know, uh, everyone likes to hear uh, Raghu's perspectives on where we're taking the, the uh, overall product strategy. And then we also have Craig McClucky, who is, of course, one of the original co-founders of the Kubernetes project. And so, um, you know, this is a, a pretty rare time to get to listen to some of these big luminaries and thought leaders coming up from VMware. All right, so we have the event. That's good to know. Uh, we can we can we talk about you know we'll 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 share more of the URL and kind of encourage people to go reg. But one of the things that uh, I want to talk about is just how quickly the modern app space is moving. And I, I kind of look at my own experience where we've migrated a lot of the community function to SaaS services. We have Chorus as a SaaS service. We have Hootsuite as a SaaS service. We have Talkwalker as a SaaS service. And what I'm seeing is that this stuff is like updating. You know, every three four months. We're seeing new features. Tams are reaching out to us, wanting to talk us through what the new features are. And so the speed at which innovation is happening, and I know we had you back here at uh, podcast number 520, where you talked about the uh, Datrium acquisition, right? And just gave yeah. us a kind of a quick view. And so I guess um, this is kind of driving this customer interaction, right? So if you're the expert or you're a community member, you're listening to this podcast, you ask yourself, why? Why don't, you know, we've already heard from Mike. Is this, you know, another Mike, right? Or is this, yeah. And I think it's just because the speed at which things are moving in this space, in the cloud, is just, it's just fast, right? Yeah, it's really incredible. Um, we've seen, you know, huge acceleration um, just over the last couple of months even. And I think part of this is that everyone's looking for, you know, some kind of new service, to uh, drive maybe a customer relationship or customer engagement, or you're looking at something that maybe your employees are needing now as we're all in this uh, remote world or you know, potentially a long-term kind of hybrid world of remote work and in-person. And it's putting a ton of pressure on developers to just be pushing the envelope on how quickly they can get applications out. Um, and then that's in turn driving a lot of the cloud growth. And you know, we saw one analyst actually increase their growth numbers for cloud from 28% to actually 35% just in the last couple of months. So it kind of shows you that something that was already moving really fast off of a large base is moving even faster. So it, it kind of puts the pressure onto you know, the listeners of, of this podcast to say, how do I uh, come up with a strategy? How do I look at the infrastructure that I need in order to support those developer needs? How do I make sure it's modern? To your point, Eric, it's continuously being updated and improved. It's, you know, you're never kind of done with that code base. And how do I still make sure that it's secure and managed and has all the operational integrity that I need as well? So there's a lot of tension and pressure between expectations and reality right now. Right, and I guess there's also this element of, you know, when you do, do have Tanzu product lines now, right? Like the Tanzu product set. And, you know, that's helping everyone, you know, if we have vSphere and we've already started to build a multi-cloud environment, maybe we have, maybe we haven't. But the fact that you're on vSphere and you do have Tanzu layering on top of vSphere 7, you're, it actually puts you ahead of the game here from the standpoint of you can actually start talking to your, your modern apps teams, the teams that are building green for an apps, to, you know, brown to green transitioning. It seems like we actually give you a leg up to be able to, you know, start on a base and then start engaging in this dialogue, right? 
Yeah, that's very true. And that's one of the main mantras of really everything we're doing around cloud is take what you know, really start where you are with your base of technology, the teams that you already have. You already have some incredible expertise built up on the VMware technology. How do you now take that and extend it into the cloud or extend it for modern apps um, and do it in a way that's very non-disruptive? You know, I think uh, a lot of people want that cloud operating model and they want the cloud capabilities, but the cloud transformation can often be very disruptive. It's a whole new architecture you're potentially changing applications that are mission critical or are already running perfectly fine, or they might be really tied in with a, a business process you wanna keep going. So how do you take advantage of all the great things in cloud without being disruptive? And that's really where we're trying to take this cloud strategy. It's one of the, the key things that, um, we're, uh, we're, that we're building into that platform. The deep integration between Tanzu and vSphere really makes that work. And then also, one of the things that that, that allows you to do is um, uh, really, you know, consolidate and run all these applications in one environment, which is a huge TCO optimization as well. So, Mike, to that end, let, let's say that I'm a, you know, the traditional admin, or I'm in charge of the infrastructure team, and I have new, you know, developers or a new developer acquisition that were contractors that were brought in to do some modern app development. Where do I start with all of this? Where, where is that, that foundational piece that I need to bring into my environment to, to allow some more of these you know, modern development methods, CICD, and, and to bring that Tanzu platform into the fold? Where, where would you yeah. suggest that I start down this path? That could be from education or technologies or a combination there, there are both, but where would you say that, that you need to take those first steps before you can start running on this platform? It's a good idea, good question. Um, you know, one of the things that I've seen a lot of customers do recently is really get a, a very complete and comprehensive understanding of their applications, kind of first and foremost. You know, get a landscape of what the complete, um, you know, app portfolio looks like and start to really understand what do I want to do with existing apps and what are my goals for modern applications? And you know, you may find that the platforms that you have are perfectly fine for a percentage of your applications, or maybe there's some data gravity or security requirements that's going to keep it in the data center longer term. And for that, then you're just pursuing a fairly traditional uh, data center modernization strategy and making sure that that environment runs optimally. Then the second thing is, let's say you want to migrate and modernize, start to really look at the cloud environment that you want. There may be specific cloud services that your developers really want to operate in and start to understand, you know, is this something that should run in AWS or Azure, Google Cloud, really any of the other uh, major cloud providers. And because of the way we've architected our solution, you can actually migrate really seamlessly. There's no uh, interruption to service. Uh, you don't have to rewrite the application. You don't have to retrain your teams. And that's um, very fundamental. And then from there, you can start to have really free reign of integrating with hundreds of uh, cloud native services. You know, whether that's, you know, Lambda or, or RDS or, you know, BigQuery, all the really big name applica uh, application services can now be part of your modernization strategy. But I think it all starts with that assessment because what it's going to help you is really understand what's the value of the app and then how can I have it in the right environment where I have all the capabilities I need to move forward. Um, you know, in terms of education, there's a lot of um, great things that people can do. There's uh, you know, uh, uh, Tanzu Labs is a, a great uh, environment for us. 
Um, we have uh, a lot of great teams that can come in and do you know those assessments for you. But you know the key thing here is really building a partnership with your developers. I, I doubt that anyone on this call needs me to tell them that, but you know everything we do in infrastructure is in service of the developers. It's really in service of the applications. And the more that we can make that more efficient, more self-service, you know, an open API access for all the developer resources, the more that we can have this really flexible platform that can make them move faster than ever. Sure, that sometimes gets lost in the mix, doesn't it? We talk so much about infrastructure and, and everything that goes into that infrastructure development, but what is it that we ultimately need to use that infrastructure for, right? It's the apps, it's the apps that drive all of that. And to your point, sure, when we look at some of this, it, it, of course, it makes sense to do that thorough analysis, to, to take the time. I mean, do we really want to refractor that 20-year-old COBOL app that, that's going away potentially? So maybe sometimes, sure, but you have to yeah. do the analysis, right, to, to your point, Mike, uh, to yeah, find out what's there in the environment. And you can make some really great decisions on that app may be really valuable today, but you may be retiring it two years from now and going through a 12 month refactor process to bring it to a public cloud. That would just be wasted effort. Um, now, the other thing is, um, well, you like to think that we can actually uh, provide you some future proofing on this. And that's something that's been pretty true to VMware for, for quite a while. And now as you think about the cloud, well, you know, maybe today you want to move it to AWS, but perhaps down the road you want to move it to another cloud environment. Or you want to be sure that five years from now when something amazing gets invented that we haven't even thought of yet, you can take advantage of that too. And so I think one of the things for people to listen to around the VMware uh, cloud uh, strategy and, and offering is really how do you then continually be able to move to the right environment or adapt your strategy without there being a penalty of having to go through that whole process of rewriting again. So those are just some things I think that are really valuable for people to think about as they evaluate if this um, strategy and offering is, is uh, prime for them. Sure, it could be a whole new level of, of vendor lock-in to say, right? When, when the, those yeah. apps are written around a particular stack and a particular functionality uh, and to have that portability among the major cloud players, that, that's certainly important, I would think, in any long-term cloud strategy. Eric, what's you know, none of us could have. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right. So uh, another topic I have here, as long as we're talking about developer, and it, it seems like we've had different components of our solution here. One is uh, we have Pivotal, right, which is uh, which we acquired, right. Two, we have Kubernetes that we acquired from Joe Beta. You know, Joe Beta came over, and you know, the, his practice, his consultant practice, turned into a, a piece that we have here. And then we obviously have vSphere with uh, Tanzu. And I know that all kind of wrapped up. Can can you explain the layers of this and how this is coming together, yeah. going to market? <clears throat> Yeah, so um, you know what I would start with is really, um, I think everyone uh, working in cloud, and especially in multi-cloud, you really have two options for that foundational layer. You have VMware Cloud Foundation, or you have native cloud uh, infrastructure, and those are really some of the one of the prime decision points. The VMware-based infrastructure is really based on VMware Cloud Foundation, and that's compute, storage, networking, and cloud management. And what we think about is that as just a, a core building block. Uh, we've done a great job modernizing that, integrating it with Tomzu, building in Kubernetes uh, integration very deeply, and really making this a modern infrastructure for all applications. 
that's now available in every cloud you can think of. You know, there's uh, all the big hyperscalers and then of course hundreds and even thousands more as you stretch out around the world and look at um, smaller uh, cloud. Yeah, we, we all know this one, right? Yeah, that's right. And then Tanzu is really uh, the ability on top of that to deliver and run and manage Kubernetes within that stack. And Tanzu is unique in that it allows you to stretch into these native cloud services and build applications that run natively on the core uh, uh, Amazon cloud, on the core Azure cloud. So if you have a developer, you want to give them the freedom to re really build applications and not be concerned about the underlying infrastructure, to be able to deploy anywhere and then to manage that. And that's really where Tanzu steps in as an additional area of flexibility um, that can help your developers have um, you know, a single... Uh, a single set of tools and environments for deploying to any cloud environment. Nice, nice, nice. And then Pivotal, where does Pivotal sit these days? Yeah, you know, the, the teams have done such a great job of really bringing together Pivotal and the, the Tanzu elements and intellectual property into some, uh, you know, a great platform. Um, you know, the Spring community is incredibly vibrant. You know, we're looking at just a huge amount of activity on the, um, uh, on the Tanzu platform, on the Pivotal environment, you're looking at millions of developers, millions of containers, and they have some great things coming out this year. I don't know if I want to steal their thunder, but let's just say that as we get closer to uh, KubeCon and then also out into Spring One, um, there are some really uh, important milestones around how all of these things are coming together and really how we're providing a path forward for so many of the people that have gotten great value out of Pivotal in the spring environment and all those other components too. So love to come back and share more details then. It's going to be exciting. All right. I have another uh, topic that, because uh, I've been, I was exposed to some uh, slideware that was talking about what we're offering in the pieces. Yeah. And uh, there was this one thing which I'm not sure I'm allowed to announce or not. So if, if, if I say this word and you go, no, no, we, we, should, we shouldn't go there yet. Just tell yeah. me, which is there's this thing called universal right? Uh, I don't know if you've uh, heard this, yeah. but, and I don't know if this is out yet or not. Are we allowed to, to discuss the concept of universal yet? Not yet, but it's going to okay. be exciting. I'll, maybe I'll just sort of, uh, you know, tease people a little bit and say, um, you know, cloud is not just great technology. It's also the way you adopt it, the way you leverage it, the way that you really um, deploy an, an operating model for cloud. And so I'll just let people know that uh, there's some great things coming. Um, and we've, we've talked about it and teased it a little bit in some of our earnings calls and other things, but I think this is for the, for the, those of, uh, those of us that are really loyal and, and faithful VMware, uh, customers with a, a great install base of technology, this is going to bring you some great flexibility. And I, I think it's going to go over really well. Yeah. And I, I think that, uh, I will also, you know, in, in a, in a new space here, uh, we we're, we're talking about like, how is adoption going, right? Like, how are we doing mm -hmm. as a SaaS company, right? Cause there's always a question of how much of us is our traditional package installed software on-prem, how much of it yeah. is uh, hybrid cloud, and then how much is it SaaS services? And we have some products that are completely SaaS. We have some that are both, and then we have, I think we have all that are both these days, right? On-prem mm -hmm. and SaaS. And so there's this notion of subscription versus SaaS, true SaaS, and how are, how are customers buying this stuff? And one of the questions to, I think some of the field was, how are we doing? How are customers adopting? Mm -hmm. And the sales teams seem to think that we're we're doing really well that, that that people are actually adopting a lot of our SaaS models and i think we had some horizon people on in a show or two ago that we talked about the horizon SaaS offerings and how easy it was and flexible it was for customers just to check the hey let's start running uh our 
desktop infrastructure in the cloud as a SaaS service. And they did some portion of the company that way. And then they were looking at pandemic results and how effective it was at lowering costs for support. Right. Like they were getting 700 calls a week and they went down to like 100 calls a week. And so I, I guess there's this uh, approach of how are we doing selling these hybrid SaaS environments and our sales teams t tend to think, wow, we're doing really well. Uh, some of us IT practitioners are going like, this is really hard. We're not sure where we're at here. Just wonder what your thoughts are on that process. Yeah. SaaS is actually one of the top uh, priorities for the company this year in terms of really being all in and transforming the offerings that we have for the market and then really selling and engaging and driving um, value out of those SaaS platforms for our customers. So it's a, a huge investment for VMware. Um, as you point out, we're well down this path. Um, you know, you look at the end user computing products, um, you know, you look at uh, what we're doing around cloud management with cloud health. Um, look at our security portfolio. Um, and then, of course, you look at how we've been able to take the, the infrastructure stack and really bring that you know, into the cloud, along with all of our cloud management capabilities that we have with vRealize and the things we're bringing into the cloud there. So you know, overall, the, the, the progress to um, this SaaS model from VMware's business is going really well. And I think it just mirrors where the market's going. I mean, we're, we're just seeing so much of an embrace of um, SaaS as an, as an operating model, as a uh, for all the benefits that come with management and operations and efficiency. And, um, you know, I think uh, over uh, the next, <clears throat> this week, we're actually going to be doing our earnings call tomorrow. And we have been sharing more and more how much of our revenue is actually coming forward as part of a, a, a subscription model. Um, which I think is really interesting to show that, you know, we view that as a, a marker for our own business performance. And we really view it as a marker for our ability to reinvent ourselves for this next generation. We want everyone to feel like they're working with not just great technology, but a great way of adopting and consuming as well. Okay, I have a follow up and then I'll let Matt ask a couple of questions too, because I, I got yeah. like I said, I have a bunch of questions so you can answer ones that you feel like answering. Uh, when we it. talk about Azure, IBM, AWS, uh, Google, uh, the, the, and even Oracle, the, the major hyperscalers, right, that are out yeah. there, yeah. Um, how are we doing with from, from a standpoint of cloud foundation on those platforms? I know we've had mm -hmm. Azure bits and pieces, Google bits and pieces. It's not like a perfect one to one across all clouds, or at least it wasn't last year. Year. I'm just wondering, how are we doing with regard to getting the full stack implemented across mm -hmm. all the cloud vendors? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I think you're right. I mean, we've, you know, we've built these solutions over time, um, you know, working with um, all of those partners. It's really important that we have compatibility, compatibility and consistency across those architectures. At the core of the architecture is very consistent, um, but we actually have a uh, internal effort around a, uh, a common uh, cloud architecture um, and a mandate to really drive um, the consistency across all of those environments. Um, the, uh, the the timeline for that is is something we can share a little bit later. But okay. in general, are the we vendors, see a huge I guess what I was getting is, are the vendors, uh, Google, Amazon, are they, do they want yeah. that? Are they willing to proceed with that if we can architect it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, we're seeing a lot of great interest in those products. I actually just had a really interesting um, customer review about two weeks ago with one of the the big references from uh, Azure VMware uh, solutions. And so they're, they're just having a lot of success in deploying that environment. The benefit to the cloud providers 
is that the more that they can map more closely to what our customers have in the data center um, from a full stack, then the more that they can have ease of portability and migration. And so it's really to the benefit of the entire ecosystem that we have this single platform, single compatibility. The more that you have common compute storage and networking and even management for policy, um, the easier it is for you to do migration, the fewer um, amount of interdependencies and complexity you have and how that app is built. And you can take advantage of some great things, particularly in the networking platform that allows you to have this um, common virtual cloud network across all your environments. Yeah, my son works at Roku, and it's a kind of a same example here, which is a Roku small video streaming device, if you've never seen them. Um, mm -hmm. And when they first, they they did well because they were an innovator and they they kind of led the market first first mover advantage and so forth. But then Google came in and made a almost a free streamer. Mm -hmm. uh, so did Amazon. Amazon jumped in and made a free streamer. And everybody predicted that uh, Roku was going to be out of business in another year because the big mm -hmm. guys are going to come in and just kill it. And Amazon was going to have a free content service. But it turns out that if you look at the market. The content providers, Disney, um, Netflix, and others, really, they wanted to have a player that worked across all TVs, right? And mm -hmm. weren't tied to any one big mega company, like such as Google or or uh, Amazon, right? And so they became the cross-platform platform for streaming services, right? And they actually did really well. They were the 10x the stock price this year, just because they became the neutral platform that everybody could go to and operate across all the different streaming devices and streaming services, right? And I see VMware kind of being in that position where if you don't want to marry yourself, maybe you want to marry yourself to a cloud this year, but you know, you don't want to marry yourself for like 30 years. You're not, you're, you're, you're more like you want to date, not, not marry. Um, and I think that yeah. uh, that's, that's kind of one of these examples where VMware is coming in being kind of a neutral platform player that allows you to take advantage of the services that are available in cloud without being completely locked in. You know, what, what we want to help customers avoid is sort of this all or nothing um, kind of approach. You know, do I have to be all in on one provider? Um, are my applications really, you know, hard written to that platform? If some new service comes out, do I have to do a lot of heavy work in order to take advantage of it? And I just think that the flexibility we can provide is really unique. Um, and uh, in many ways, I think we're matching the overall demand for multi-cloud in the market. Uh, but the way that we've established these, um, these solutions with all the hyperscalers and then obviously a, a broader set of cloud providers, I think gives us a, a real advantage to help customers be more flexible in the clouds that they choose and match it to the needs of the application as well. Mike, as you're working through with these customers and you're hearing about, you know, the POCs and whatnot, is there anything interesting that you can share that you've encountered? Someone that has a unique use case and you don't have to obviously name names, but just that, that either a unique use case for, for Tanzu or a, a customer that you felt particularly has adopted it well, even being such a new uh, and cutting edge technology for, for a major player. Is yeah. there anything out there that you've run across that you can share with us and our listeners? Yeah. You know, um, one of the things that I um, have had the benefit of, of hearing more about this week is a customer of ours called um, Fiserv, who, you know, they were at Spring One. Their story is really um, public and, and well known. So, you know, I'll just share a couple of details. They're actually responsible for helping to um, uh, process loans for small businesses with, uh, I think, about 4,000 banking institutions. 
And one of the things that they had to do recently was really revamp their financial evaluation process uh, to help small businesses who were getting uh, loans from the government around COVID relief. And um, it was it's a very small team. Um, they did hundreds of software releases, all using the Tanzu platform. Um, they were able to you know, build and deploy a full CICD pipeline um, and really um, accelerate the delivery of multiple iterations of this application. And uh, when I talk about impact, I mean, they were able to approve billions of dollars of relief for small businesses. So, you know, I love what they did with a small team. Developer productivity, productivity was off the charts. And then obviously just, you know, helping a, a very essential business at a really critical time. And I think it's a cool story. You're gonna hear more about them in the event. And you can find, if you go to the Spring One site, you can find um, their video with, uh, with their CIO. It's a really, really inspirational story. So what drove that approach? Was it developers that came to the infrastructure team or, or how did they, they find the Tanzu platform? Yeah, I'm, I'm finding that the developers are really just so core to making decisions or at a bare minimum influencing decisions. It's one of the reasons why we have to look at this as, you know, one solution. And I think that's actually more and more common, Matt. I mean, you know, you're, you're finding this where um, you know, the developers have such influence within the infrastructure options. And there's so many, you know, variety of options out there um, through self-service clouds and, you know, self-service procurement. You know, we want to make sure that the VMware environment is really giving the best environment for developers to be productive and get done what they need to and really help our core infrastructure teams really serve their developer teams better than ever. So, you know, we got to build a, a great uh, groundswell of millions of developers that love Pivotal, that love Spring, that love Tanzu and can kind of come together with that tool set and, and uh, the capabilities they need to bring apps to, to market faster. At the same time, we have to support all the uh, operational needs, all the, um, all the uh, priorities we have around security and operations and make sure that those apps are really supported right. If we don't look at it as one common uh, system and ecosystem, then I think um, you know we're not really providing a complete solution. So that's what I'm really excited about what we're bringing to market this year. Sure, we don't want the 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 entire infrastructure running on a container on one of those devs' laptops, right? We want to be in a, in a position right. where we're right. offering that as a native service to to know our the clients. We're 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 infrastructure developers, right? In, in in some ways, we have to to meet what those needs of the, these modern apps that are coming in. We have to provide for what that next utility is. I sometimes I say is to to our customers and those customers being the developers that we're ultimately hosting the infrastructures for. So if we can get ahead of that and and have a you know consistent platform that offers all of these other you know intrinsic security and networking, yeah, why not? Let's do it. Absolutely. And I think that that aligns itself to what, where VMware and Ragu and others have kind of st strategically aligned us, where we bought Heptio, which was the consulting or organization that Joe Beta works for. And now Joe is with VMware, but he's still contributing the open source projects. He's still very much core developer. If you if you try to get him to come on our podcast and talk to you, he goes like, yeah, you're not my market. You know, like he's here, but he's also our liaison into this, this core open source uh, development phase space for 
with all the engineers around moving Kubernetes forward. And then he does guide us on, you know, our product strategy and what we should be doing uh, with regards to enabling this. And he's he kind of excited that we're doing that. And then um, so we have, uh, you know, Joe Beta, Heptio. Um, and then because we acquired Pivotal last year, I mean, that gives us, you know, strength around core developer relations and engagements and, and doing dev for enterprise 1000 companies at the same time. Yeah, this has really been just such a synergistic um, kind of move for VMware. Um, you know, all the teams that you just mentioned, they bring incredible expertise that's really unmatched. And then marry that with the, you know, 20 plus years of enterprise experience from VMware, all the resiliency, the operations, the governance, all those things that we need to continue, no matter where you run, it's really about running it with, with all the optimal enterprise capabilities. Bringing those two things together, um, it's a great, uh, great combination, great offering. And, you know, end of the month, March 31st is really our, uh, our next step on all this. And we think we're going to, you know, help move uh, not just VMware forward, but really help show the market where it needs to go. Okay. On a different topic, I know this is out there left field. Maybe you don't know anything about it, um, but um, cloud health and managing the dollar spend that you're doing in the cloud, because it's like one thing to, to have the strategy to move everything to cloud and put these platforms in. It's another thing when you get the end of the month bill on some of this stuff and uh, and trying to make sense of what we've just deployed with all of our small you know workloads running on Kubernetes. Uh, I assume this is we woven into this solution as well as Cloud Health in Tanzu now, or how does that play out? Um, I mean, Cloud Health is really part of our overall cloud management uh, portfolio and offering. And it has a really unique um, set of capabilities for the public cloud. You know, um, whenever I give a cloud strategy presentation, I, you know, Cloud Health is one of those things that people just immediately jump on. Um, you know, I think on average, they're still uh, able to reduce cloud spend by about 20%. Um, just by getting in and really optimizing the configuration of those services, um, how they look at uh, perhaps redundant capabilities across an organization. So it gives you 100% visibility of the cloud services that maybe you didn't even know you had. And then it gives you guidelines for how to manage those uh, optimally. And then it really helps you put in a blueprint around your business KPIs and goals to say, let's keep it this way in the future. I don't want to deviate from some of these uh, really important financial and uh, operational guidelines. There's a lot in there around governance and other pieces, but those are the key elements. For us, that's incredibly um, uh, powerful because you know we want to not just give people great capabilities. We also want to make sure that it's not breaking the bank. I think cloud health is just one of those um, kind of business-driven platforms that allows you to optimize all the things that you're doing in the, in the public cloud. Okay. Uh, Matt, we're coming up on top of the hour. I think we have maybe five five more minutes with Mike before we'll do the barbecue report. Um, do anything uh, you want to engage with Mike on? To well, well, sure. Cloud health, right? Their marketing tagline was, we at least expect this product to pay for itself and then some, right? So that the cost savings that, are, that were out there for the use of the product would more than take care of the licensing and then all the other payback on top of that. Uh, forensic accounting uh, for cloud um, compute billing, I swear, will be the next equivalent of, I don't know, a patent attorney. I mean, that whoever gets that right and does it well uh, to figure out what these options are between all of the different functions that are out there for particular apps and being able to move those workloads around to optimize what those particular billings are, 
will we'll have an amazing feature play. And I think cloud health helps to start down that path. I mean, it certainly is there. Um, but sure, um, we talk about mi migration workloads to the cloud, but we also have to understand all the new cost components behind it. It makes the old, um, I can remember doing long distance telephone billing analysis for a, a retailer that I worked in in mid-Atlantic that can doing things like where, when long distance wasn't free, where, where there was the intra and interlata discounts where you'd have, you'd, you'd pick up a trunk line down in another state to make a call back into the state that you were originally calling from because it was cheaper and before all the long distance discounts came in. So I'm sure that we're going to see some of those intricate things between clouds and services and, and backups and where you're storing your data. And it, it'll be a whole new component uh, to come and play. But to Mike, to, to your thoughts on that before we wrap up here for the hour. Yeah. You know, um, it's the double-edged sword of self-service, right? Um, you know, it allows you to move very fast, but it often isn't um, guided by certain principles. And, you know, we see a lot of customers um, really trying to put in, you know, operational structures, you know, centers of excellence, um, you know, architectural guidelines, all the things that are necessary because cloud is transformational for them in many ways. And so, you know, sometimes when we start working with someone around a cloud health implementation, we're finding, you know, not just multiple cloud providers, but multiple versions of each cloud, you know, multiple AWS teams, multiple Azure teams. You get into some of these larger organizations and um, you find just a, a, a growth of cloud services, cloud environments. One tenant does not know about the next. That's right, exactly. And there's a, a huge cost around that that's ongoing. So, you know, just by getting that visibility, you start to bring value almost immediately. Um, the second thing is then being able to set the, the guidelines for how you want to optimize that spend. And then even more beneficial is let's set a future state and help to, you know, manage to that overall more mature organization that's really making decisions around um, future cloud deployments based upon very specific guidelines. So kind of think about that in three phases, visibility, optimization, and then you know future uh, guidance. And I, I think that those are um, some really powerful things. Um, Cloud Health did a great job. I, I used to look at them before they were part of VMware. I loved what they were doing. So glad to have them as part of the family. And I think that that cloud first mindset SaaS um, uh, product is also infusing back into VMware and helping us understand how we play a bigger role in helping people in cloud overall. Yeah, it's certainly a key component in the overall cloud strategy. And speaking of cloud strategy, I do want to highlight that again, March 31st, 11 a.m. Pacific, 35 minute live event. Uh, some great speakers, the new strategy, the continuing strategy of accelerating your app and cloud transformation. Please register uh, VMware.com app dash cloud dash event. Yeah, yeah. If Raghu is there, I'm going to be there because uh, I've always told my friends this that uh, people go like, "Are you worried that uh, uh, Pat Kelsinger left the company?" And I'm like, "Nah, why not? He's such a leader." I'm like, "Yeah, there's only one person in the entire company that if he quits, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Oh no, no, this can't be happening." And that would be Raghu Ragamaran, right? Like yeah, I worked with him when I first came here 15 years ago, and uh, he was running product strategy then, and he has like hit it out of the 
ballpark every yeah. time he's he's done this. So, uh, Mike Hume, um, a, a final question for you. Uh, I've, I've been starting a little campaign. Mike Hume for VMware president. Uh, any any interest? Are you going to interview for that? I, I think it's time. We got to throw got to throw my my name in the uh, in the ring for sure. Um, I would definitely take that on. And Eric, I'm going to hire you as my campaign manager because I know oh, that you, you not just have the great radio voice, you also have the reach. So uh, bring there it on. There you go. We're going to do that. You're you're up against, for my most favorite VMware qualified people to run the company, it's you and Kit Kilbert. So you're neck and neck uh, with regards to like who has been right on strategy, uh, showing up mm -hmm. on podcasts, knows the tech, but also works at a very high level as well. So Mike, uh, great to see you. Uh, you are now also not allowed to quit uh you know if we do <laughs> and mike hume and kit colbert i start to sweat a little bit otherwise uh, this boat is sailing straight and narrow so perfect to see you well thank great, you great that's time. a high praise appreciated and i actually spent the morning with kit colbert uh uh working on this event and and helping to pull forward our cloud strategy so uh it was a pretty good pretty good morning for me Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we're going to transition to the V barbecue report because we are at the top of the hour and we got a little bit of a late start, but uh, Tony Foster has been hanging out uh, patiently uh, going to talk to us about some unique barbecue. I also did some barbecue uh, got started because we have such beautiful weather out here. I just went and got some T-bones and uh, put in salt and pepper on them and did the, the barbecue half coal, uh, lit it up and then did seven minutes, three minutes each side, boom, boom. And then three more minutes each side and then measure it up to 135 to 145 degrees internal meat temp and man it's just nice to get some uh, some good steak going for what i would call the beginning of, of spring here at vmware tony foster i don't know if you're on audio or whether we're going to get you on a camera feed i don't hear tony foster i'm not sure if we're able to get him on the call or not uh, but he apparently did uh, bacon wrapped Twinkies and Oreos. Um, so the, that's what I've got in chat, but uh, we're waiting for the bacon wrapped Twinkies and Oreos barbecue report. Hmm. I'm not sure that uh, I can do that. Uh, he that's says, a tough one. Yeah. Tony might People be a looking cardiologist right now after the, that uh, barbecue report. Maybe, maybe that's why he's absent. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe he's uh, yeah, recovering from that. Um, anyway, uh, that is that is. Uh, we'll we'll get Tony Foster next week on that. I see that he's having some streaming tr troubles with his browser, so we'll catch him up next week. Uh, Mike Hume, what is your Twitter account just to, to to get people to follow you? Oh, you know, I don't I don't do anything on Twitter. I'm I'm uh, I'm one You're of those Instagram guys. Instagram god now, right? That's I am it. an Instagram guy. Yeah, yeah but bathing uh, suit, Mike Hume out on the beach, you know, doing his Instagram thing. That's right. Mostly TikTok and things like that. But uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. But uh, no, I haven't. I haven't really taken on Twitter. But uh, you can always find me at our events, and uh, would love to hear from any of the community. Wants to reach right. out. They're telling me that uh, Tony Foster has returned. Maybe we'll get him for another minute here. Uh, Tony Foster, are you out there? No, it says Tony Foster. Oh, there, hey, there, there, there we are. are. Yeah. Only because there I want to hear bacon wrapped. Twinkies and Oreos. That's the first I've heard that one. Yes. So you, you've commented before how you like the uh, material that my wife posts on Facebook and stuff from time to time. I do. She, she found this really crazy uh, barbecue person who said, you've got to try bacon wrapped Twinkies and bacon wrapped Oreos. And, and 
I did it. I actually did send Julia a uh, picture from the grill um, on Monday when I did this. They're okay. Um, the Twinkie really caramelizes. And so you get this caramel bacon flavor um, going on. The Oreos are not as good as uh, um, the Twinkies. So if you have some spare bacon and Twinkies, wrap it up, put it on the uh, barbecue. Uh, about five minutes is all it takes and flip it and enjoy it. Wow. Yeah, I guess it's really, if you think of Twinkie, it's basically bread with sugar. So it's like a bacon sugar sandwich or something, right, that, that goes. So how can you go wrong with that, right? So bacon sugar sandwich. Thanks for listening to the end of the, till the end of the podcast. We appreciate it. Uh, we are, will be uh, back here again next week. I think we've got guests lined up for the next month and a half. So thank you to Julia Klaus, who's done the work of getting all our guests here. And again, thanks, Mike, for being here. Matt, as always, thanks for being here. Tony Foster, great barbecue. We'll be back again next week. Until then, be safe and enjoy coming into spring.